0: Welcome to the sober nation FM podcast where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by sobriety engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support community and fellowship sobriety engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery, you can get a ton of great tips, resources and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with Life Mastery coach and author, Dennis Barry. Thanks for coming on the show, Dennis. Thank you, Jonathan. Great to be here, man. Yeah, glad to have you. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about how you help others as a coach, as well as your book. But first, I'd really like to hear more about your journey in recovery. So where would you say your relationship with addiction started and what did life actually look like before you got sober?
1: Mm, wow. Well, that's a long story.
0: It yeah. it is. Yeah, I'm packing it all into one tiny little question there.
1: All right, cool man, no problem. Well, you know, if I I'll, I'll do the definitely the condensed podcast version, but when I was 5 years old, my grandmother said to my mother, he worries like a little old man. <laughs> you know? At 5 years old. And wow. so you, you fast, for, I, w- I was already full of fear and insecurity and like well, this big, crazy, scary world, didn't know how to handle it. Mm. And fast forward 10 years of those feelings over and over and over and over again. And I, I took a drink. I was 15 years old and I was like, <sighs> I was like, I don't have to feel that way anymore. I don't have to feel anything anymore. And so I liked that, you know, that was a big help. And, you know, the drink turned into the weed to the Coke and everything else. And then mm-hmm. fast forward another 15 years after college, car accidents, DUIs, arrests, uh, broken relationships, financial shit. Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're good. You're good. Right. I think
0: they can handle it. All I right. Think. Cool. I thought so. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know. If you saw my, have you seen my podcast? The Green podcast? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We let it roll. Okay. So, um, yeah, you fast forward. To, I was 31 years old and uh i was dying physically dying emotionally dying you know all the the same story as everybody else my sad story is my sad story and i i was physically dying and um you know at the end i had a girlfriend at the time and which was really weird because i was really gross and awful (laughs) and she came over to my apartment one day and i was out on like a week-long coke bender and she just looked and i was passed out in my clothes i was 70 pounds heavier than I am now and I had dark circles under my eyes and I peed my pants and I was just like a mess and she looked and she's like you know we can't do this anymore this isn't going to work and I just started crying and I said I can't stop and I can't stop and so you know we talked for a little bit she got online back at the old dial-up connection so this was April 8 2003 so it'd be 18 years ago now And, uh, I got into a treatment facility about two days later and I've been sober since. Wow. That's the, definitely the two minute version. Yeah.
0: You shorten that, you shorten that one up there. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, so let me ask you, I mean, were there any, you know, we, we talk about and hear about like these seeds being planted at, uh, at different points along the way. And I know that I had done my research, so to speak, you know, like I had gone to a few 12 step meetings and. I had heard about, okay, maybe I could go to treatment. Um, Was there anything you tried before actually going into treatment? Like, what did that look like? I'm sure there was a a trying to slow down or trying to come up with some magic formula or something along the way, right?
1: Yeah, and great question. You know, and I tell this to my clients all the time when they have setbacks or anybody else who, um, you know, feels like a failure, things aren't Mm -hmm. going... Perfectly. You know, when they look at me or you or or somebody who's been sober a while, is successful. I'm happy. I smile. I have a good business and I, I'm healthy. And they didn't see, you know, you see it, a man with 18 years of sobriety. You didn't see the hundreds of failures, the failed attempts at this before I got here. Nobody sees that. So there were psychologists, psychiatrists, other rehabs. There were different types of Uh, attempts and failures before I got here absolutely and it it happens I think over and over again you know I had a client just over the last couple weeks he went out and he's in New Zealand you know and he went out and I don't know the life over there but to him it's a it's a different slower laid-back kind of life but he he just he didn't understand his feelings you know he's sober for a couple weeks and then he would go out drink again and then he looked at me he's like how, how I don't know how you do it. I was like we'll keep going. We're going to get there. Yeah. And so I want everybody to, to to know that up front. It's not an easy road to recovery. You know, we say in re, in the world of recovery you only have to change one thing and that's everything. Right. I had to change everything. The way I the the biggest thing that I had to change is my thinking. And people don't I want everybody to understand this. It's like this isn't a not drinking contest. This isn't a not smoking weed contest, a not snorting, snorting cocaine contest. This is a this is about growing up, yeah. it's about looking the world in the eye, being honest, uh, living a life of integrity. You know, these are things I didn't know how to do before I got sober. And when I got sober, I thought it was a not drinking contest,
0: mm-hmm. and, and
1: I didn't realize I had to be honest and let go of resentments and. Grow into some sort of spiritual life take care of my health drink a lot of water stop eating crap stop smoking. I had to change the way I look at the world. It's the same world out there. I had to change the way I looked at it and the way I approached things.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree completely and it it, did. It does take a while to see how all these how everything is connected back to the sobriety and vice versa right I mean like it all, it all plays a part for sure. Um, so, I, I did want to ask. I mean, after you go to treatment, then what's the next step? You get out of treatment, and, and what do you do from there?
1: Well, everybody has a different path, right? And, you know, when you go to treatment facilities, they, I mean, and this was a long time ago for me, is 18 years. So, you know, I, I remember parts of it, but I, I always remember they were trying to push the continuing care stuff. And I want, I want everybody to know it's a different path for everybody. For some people, they need that. Some people can't go an hour without being alone and sober. So, you know, go there. Actually, if you need to go to a halfway house, if you need to go to a, um, you know, what other outpatient therapies, right? Uh, meetings, AA meetings, 12 step meetings, whatever floats your boat, whatever a meeting you need to go to surround yourself with the fellowship is one of the best things about the 12 step program. It really is the fellowship surrounding yourself with like-minded people. So, um, you know, if I get out of there, and go back and hang out with the same old friends and the same old people doing the same old crap. I'm going to do, end up doing the same old crap too. And it's going to be a waste of time. So, you know, I was taught early on that if I want to be successful, I want to surround myself with success. If you hang out with five millionaires, you're going to be the next millionaire. If you hang around with five stoners playing Xbox all day, you're going to get really good at Xbox, you know? So, when I started getting healthy afterwards, I started realizing that if I want to stay fit and healthy, I need to surround myself with health and fitness. So I became a personal trainer years ago. I don't specifically do that anymore. But it's the same with sobriety. It's like if I want to stay sober, if I want to start changing my life and live a, a meaningful, honest life of integrity, have good relationships and learn how to face the world on life's terms surround myself with success, surround myself with sobriety, with clean people, with people that are heading in that direction. Otherwise, I'm going to head down the wrong road again.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, man. And it, it's funny because uh, we're we're not unique, like our stories. Right. And, and we hear that a lot. And I didn't know too much about your story before you and I hop, hopped on to do this. But, you know, my timeline, very similar, you know, got sober, became a personal trainer. I mean, you know, kind of the same thing. And, and so that just tells me that, you know, that not that someone has to become a personal trainer, you know, make the fitness thing, you know, such a big priority in their life necessarily, although I think it's important. Um, It's, it's the same thinking, right? Like stick with the winners, basically, and, and new healthy habits and, and all these different things. So it's not a, uh, a new idea, right? Like I, we've never met before, but you were doing something pretty similar and you seem to be doing okay now, uh, 18 years later. So w- as you got sober, um, what was the biggest thing that you struggled with early on, would you say?
1: Wow. Well, it was, I mean, it's a loaded question. It's a lot of things. And I remember talking to people early on. I remember seeing these people come in and it's like, well, I need to make more money and fix my relationship and my health and do all this stuff. And I need to do it by next week, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. remember, it's a hundred miles into the woods and it's a hundred miles back out. And there's a lot of things to take care of, but you know, we hear this all the time. You see it in memes and social media. It's like, stay present. You know, that was one of my things was, One of my biggest struggles was to slow down. You know, it was to stay present. Over the years I've learned, I used to, I studied, you know, the Bible, the Buddhism, the Tao. I've studied so many different things and there's a principle in the Tao, it's about slowing down. And there's a story in there and it talks about slow down to get there faster. You know, slow down, we're all in such a hurry to succeed in this crazy man-made busy world that's keeping us all sick, that we forget to slow down and stay present in the present moment. That's what's really important. We don't, like the past, all the stuff that we did in the past that brought us to this point, the broken relationships, the problems, the arrests, the DUIs, all this stuff, all of our guilt and shame and crying can't change one thing of that past. We can't mm. change any of it. All we can do is become better today. That's all we can do. And tomorrow, we don't know about yet. We might die later today or get fall down the stairs or get hit by a car or whatever. Not to be morbid, but it's sure. the truth. It could. We need to stay focused on the present moment. Set goals. Be responsible. Take care of yourself. Make intelligent moves along the way. But stay present and enjoy the moment.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking as you say that, that was probably this is a question I ask pretty much every guest on the show. And I was thinking back, you know, to one of the first times that consciously I was actually doing that. Like I was really doing a good job at being present. I had this, you know, mediocre job. I had just gotten so I was literally like cleaning up after a contractor, essentially doing a lot of sweeping. And I remember just being like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sweeping, like consciously just, I'm, I'm doing this thing. Like, I'm going to focus on this because, you know, it's tough. Like when I got sober, I came out and, uh, we had advanced beyond, uh, dial up and, and AOL at this point. So I hopped on Facebook after getting out of treatment. I started comparing myself to all these other people that I had, you know, gone to high school with. And, and that can be really tough to, to stay in the moment for sure. Um, when you're seeing what, you know, what everyone else is doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that, you know, I to be honest with you, and that this isn't a, an addiction or alcoholism thing. It's part of the human condition. Mm-hmm. Like we want it, we want more than what we have, and we want it now. We want, and the other part of the human condition, I want the most out of life with the least amount of effort. Right? And I, <laughs> right. you just said that. Like yeah. I see that guy over there. Why can't I have a billion dollars like like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? Well, mm-hmm. they've been working really hard for forty years at at doing that. We didn't mm-hmm. see that part. You can get mad at them or the politicians or all these other people and blame them for your failures or lack of success, but start working and doing the right things to get there and your life will unfold that way. Remember, like I said before, it's a hundred miles into the woods. It's a hundred miles back out. So it took me years to screw my life up. It's going to take some time to repair. But the good news, the good news is that it doesn't have to take as long or be as painful as the ride into the woods.
0: Was that your experience that it sounds to me like, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think from what you're describing here, it sounds like things got good pretty quickly for you when you, no, okay. (laughs) No,
1: no, I, I can't say that, you know, I, I didn't have the same, uh, uh, I, I shouldn't say that. We all have a different path, and we all have a different story. I didn't have the kids in the house. I didn't have the, some of the responsibilities that some other people have. Right. So, um, you know, I was able to spend time in AA meetings and learn a little bit about sobriety and a little bit about life. And um, and it was it was a tough road. Remember, there was a lot of like there were times I used to like punch myself in the head, and like I because I didn't understand life. I didn't. I had a very low um awareness quotient they call it nowadays like emotional intelligence to where mm-hmm. i i didn't know how to handle adversity i didn't know how to, when things i would try something and it didn't work and i didn't know how to handle that so i used to go drink or watch porn or go shopping or over or eat a pound of cookies or and these are things we all still do or scroll yeah. on my phone now you know right. these are all addictions these are just cross addictions smoking right uh watching six hours of Netflix, all these things we're doing as distractions to take us away from our responsibilities because we don't know how to handle those, right? That's Mm -hmm. why when you're a kid and you don't know how to handle life in this big, scary world, you know, alcohol kind of takes that away for four or six hours or overnight. And then the next day, that's why it's like the vicious cycle. The next day, those same problems are there or escalated. Yeah. And it just turns into that you end up under this big pile of shit. And you don't know how to get out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, speaking of life, you are a life mastery coach. What exactly is that? Break that down to us here.
1: Yeah, that's a sexy term, isn't it?
0: I, I like it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know, originally all this started, I, you know, I started doing this in uh, years ago, over 15 years ago. And I, um, it, it was more just like addiction coaching, you know, helping people get over addiction and alcoholism. And then it was just for men, you know, because I, I started, uh, you know, in, in the 12-step program, I like, men work with men, women work with women. Otherwise, adult things happen and it all turns into a mess. So I started as a, a addiction recovery for men. But then what happened was I ended up with more women clients than men. And some of that is because women would come to me because their husbands or sons or somebody was messed up and they wanted me to fix them. You can't fix somebody who's not ready to be fixed so i ended up working with women and with couples because to teach them how to take care of themselves to practice self-love self-care self-respect and there's a difference between being selfish and taking care of yourself and that they're not responsible for that and that they need to set boundaries but boundaries with consequences you know and learn how to take care of themselves and so that's how i ended up where i am And so. You know, I also work with uh, business people and I'm a high performance coach and health and wellness coaching, but I stick that mainly, I would say like 80% of my business is split between addiction recovery and uh, love and relationship counseling.
0: Okay. Gotcha. And, and so in terms of this, this life mastery, how can this help someone in recovery? Exactly. Would you say
1: Oh, great question. So remember what we let's go back to the beginning. This isn't a not drinking contest, mm-hmm. right? I want my life to unfold and I want to master every area of my life. This is why I get upset when people are like, oh, it's okay. We need to stop drinking, but keep smoking and eating a pound of chocolate every day. I think that's bullshit. The best defense against the cravings and all the other anxiety and crap that comes up is a healthy mind and body. Mm-hmm. And pumping cigarette smoke and crap and sugar into your body is going to weaken you, right? So I think that we really, you know what, for a week or whatever, keep smoking, if that's going to like, keep you from drinking or whatever, and then let's get real. And we want to master every area of your life. So when I start working with people, the first thing we do is we look at your life and your beliefs and behaviors in the following areas, your body, how do you feel about your body and how's your health? your relationships, your your romantic relationships, and your family and friends relationships, your career, your finances, and your spiritual life. Those pretty much cover the big areas of life. So how do you feel in those areas? And then where do you want to go in each of those areas? Okay, so now we have goals. So now we start working on one of those goals, the biggest one, and we call it the one thing because we only want to work on one goal at a time. I, the best example I use for this is uh, new year's resolutions. So every year we're like, Oh, I'm going to quit drinking, write a book, lose 50 pounds, start a business, make more money. And then two weeks later, we're like, fuck this. I, I can't handle that. So we start drinking again and need a pound of chocolate. And then we don't do anything. And next yeah. new year's, it's the same five new year's resolutions every year. It's because we're too overwhelmed. And that's why we drink too. So remember the drinking isn't really the problem. It's what I'm using to cope with the real problem, which is my thinking. It's my lack of focus and my lack of direction in life. So that's what life mastery is. It's really about let's remove the drink and we'll find ways to consistently do that. And then let's work on conquering the rest of your life so you don't need to drink.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, and it's it's funny. You and I are are on a very similar page here with, with the nutrition. So, and I don't, you know, I don't get up on my soapbox Uh, much anymore unless I'm, you know, given an opportunity like right now Uh, (laughs) about the, you know, the eating and these other, these other health, uh, physical health related habits, right? You know, when I, when I got sober, um, like I said, I, you know, I was heavy most of my life and I had wanted to get healthy for a long time. And, you know, when I got sober and I was like, okay, I'm really going to do this. I decided that was going to be be part of it. You know, I, I think what I started to see is, is that um, there needed to be some kind of alignment, like in terms of, of the, the outer me or like the physical me and how I felt on the inside, right? Because it was like, I was looking in the mirror. And the way I felt on the inside, as I started to grow and, and develop, and my that thinking you were talking about started to change, you know, I was looking in the mirror, and I was still kind of seeing the old the old Jonathan, you know, and things didn't just felt mismatched there. But um, yeah, when I, when I started going to like 12 step meetings and stuff, I started noticing like, and, and this isn't a, a judgment, like, oh, these people are doing bad stuff or, or whatever, um, or screw these people or anything. But I just, I started seeing like, you know, tons of cakes all over the place. And like, you know, people like people that had been around for a long time, you know, that were had emphysema and, and all kinds of other stuff. And I think kind of what you were touching on, my thinking was, I just got another chance at life. Like, why am I, you know, putting aside like, Hey, if I have low energy and and all this, I'm probably not going to be doing all these things I need to do to, to change my life. But um, that was kind of the way I was looking at. It. So I, I get that, you know, and I'm, I'm really passionate about that. I'm glad you're bringing that up. I, you know, I always Dennis, like, as I'm sure you do on your podcast, and, and I definitely got this out of your podcast, trying to bring as much value to the table for our listeners as possible. And, and I think you've outlined exactly um, or, or to a pretty good extent here, what it is you do with your clients. What are some of the specific tools that you use with your clients, it might be beneficial to some of the listeners. You were talking about goal setting and you were talking about some of these you know, specific areas, relationships, finances, physical health, and so on, a spirituality. Um, what, what are some little tools maybe that, are, that our listeners might be able to take advantage of that you could share with us?
1: Well, you know, what's integral to my practice mm-hmm. and what I do with everybody is I give a lot of homework. And it's all tailored every week to what's going on in your life. So I have uh, countless tools th- th- in my toolbox, you know, and it, it's, it depends what somebody's going through. But, you know, if I have somebody who has a relapse, I'm like, well, we're going to write and all my homework involves writing. Writing is the most powerful thing we can do because it really slow. Remember, we were talking about slowing down. It slows us down. Okay, the average person has between 60 and 80,000 thoughts every single day. That's almost one per second. Now, if all those were really productive, useful thoughts, that would be incredible. Right. We wouldn't be having this talk. We wouldn't need to. But most of them are either harmful or useless thoughts. Okay, so writing will slow our thinking down and it'll um, make our thoughts tangible and manageable we can actually organize our thoughts. So if I have somebody who says, let's say, or let's say they had a relapse or something like that, I wanna go back, I wanna say, what happened? What were you thinking right before that happened? Right before you drove to the liquor store or right before you picked up that drink? What were you thinking right before? Cause that's the real reason we're drinking now, okay? That's the real reason for the relapse, okay? Yeah. What were you thinking right before? How did it make you feel? What could I have done differently? You know these are little tools that we use you know when when you talk to somebody and they say journaling is so powerful make sure you write every day it's very vague all right well i woke up and today i had breakfast and then i sat there and then i watched the weather on tv and then i went for a walk and then i went to work for eight it gets monotonous and boring and nothing really productive comes out of there right so when we t- when we talk about writing we want to be very specific what am i writing down what's the purpose here How is it going to help me grow? So we give homework on every single session that we have. And I have my clients. Sometimes we'll get into like deep talks. And at the end, I'm like, all right, well, I'll see you next Monday. And they're like, wait, 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 what's my homework? You know, I forget. And they get, you get addicted to it because that's how you change. That's how you grow. So Mm -hmm. it involves reading. Always, we want to always be reading something productive. Always. And I have specific books and audio books, podcasts, YouTube channels that i have people listen to whether they need to teach be taught how to meditate which again is meditating and writing are two invaluable tools that every client needs to be doing all the time and um so i give specific books because we want to be enhancing our mind at all times and we want to be writing down specific things and i have other writing tools but mostly I would say all of my tools center around writing and some sort of meditating, exercise, drinking tons of water. Like, I want your goal to be to pee 30 times a day.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Part of our problem for disease and cancer and diabetes, organ problems and everything is elimination. It's not so much the foods that you're pumping into your body, although, you know, pay attention to what you're pumping in there. But it needs to come out the other side. So we need to be drinking water and moving people are like, I have a slow metabolism. I'm like, well, speed it up. Go for a walk. Get off of your ass. Stop playing Xbox and watching Netflix and go for a walk.
0: Yeah. 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 I, you know, the water thing. So I, I generally drink over a gallon of water a day and I was, I was joking with one of my clients recently. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I know I got, I got a shaker bottle right here. It's actually empty. but. I carry around generally one of those obnoxious uh, like gallon jug things. But anyway, <laughs> just to get it all in there. But I was joking with one of my clients and I was saying, you know, I don't know how this works, but I drink about a gallon a day and pee about two gallons a day. I'm not sure how the math works out there. <laughs> but yeah, and and water, you know, you, you mentioned keeping it simple and not overwhelming ourselves. I, I like water Um, the way I refer to it is, it's like an anchor, you know, it's like a really simple thing that you could do at the beginning of your day. And it kind of just sets the tone, almost like making your bed, you know, it kind of, kind of keeps you grounded in your in your healthy habits. But um, I I do want to ask about one more specific area here. And I'm just thinking kind of on the fly here with with everything that's going on in the world right now, and, and thinking to uh, you know, uh, talking to new guys in recovery. Uh, when I was new to recovery, you know, I talked about having this, uh, honestly, it wasn't even mediocre. It was kind of a crummy job and, uh, but it was a job nevertheless. Um, you know, financial stress is, is all like, I don't want to say always, but it, it pops up a lot, especially for people that are, that are new in recovery, right? Like it's, it is a stressor. Um, what what if anything could you throw out about that? I guarantee there's someone that listening that is that's having a tough time, you know, with that right now. Like, do you have any tips or any advice there for that? Yeah, I mean that goes deep too. There, there's
1: lots of different tools, and I have yeah. a, a financial freedom uh, like program that I run people through who have like crippling debt and mm. six figure debt and mm. two figure and you know five figure incomes, right? And right. Uh, and it's that's so common too. So, the, you know, the, a bunch of things. Let's go back to the basics. Let's wake up and drink water and meditate and exercise, read something productive. If I wake up and start watching politics and getting stressed out and look what my friends are doing on Facebook, I become unproductive and my thoughts tend to go in that direction. So we want to get centered. Always be centered. Come from a place of being centered and you're going to make a more intelligent decision. The next thing is like work. You know, and then watch your spending. You know, people come to me and like, all right, let's make goals. Okay, so let's set some big goals. All right, I want to make a million a year. Okay, well, how much are you making now? Well, I make 20000 20, a year now. All right, so I'm not going to say that making a million a year a year is impossible. It's totally possible. So that's an umbrella goal. Let's keep that there. But what if next year we can make 40000 a year? Now we doubled your income. growth. That's pretty cool. So let's, let's stay clear. And let's stay focused on realistic goals, and then create action steps every single day to work towards that goal. You know, I think a lot of the reason people get so overwhelmed with it, and I've been there, I've had six figure debt before. Okay, so I totally understand. It's real. And it's crippling, the stress and the fear surrounding that is crippling. But We need to get centered and then we need to start working towards the goal, making intelligent action steps every single day towards it. Because the reason people get so tied up is because the same thing as uh, getting sober. It took me 15 years to screw my life up and I have to fix it by next week because I got shit to do. Right. Well, it took me probably a couple of years of screwing up to screw up my finances. So it's going to take longer than a week to fix it. They're expecting to win the lottery and make everything turn around real quick. It's, you know what, and every once in a while, a miracle happens, and that can happen. But you can't plan on that. Yeah, let's get centered. And let's take responsible steps towards the goal. And then, you know, we have to practice patience and meditation to get centered, take your time, and we'll get there. But, the, but it's real important to control your spending. Most of the reason we're in this crippling financial situation is because we're out buying Chick-fil-A at 3 o'clock every afternoon and wondering why we're $50 short every week. We'll yeah. stop spending $10 at Chick-fil-A. Are you hungry at 3 in the afternoon? or Shouldn't you be working or doing mm-hmm. something responsible to get you out of debt or to help with some of that financial fear? Yeah, so We really need to examine... All of our in and out. We, what if we double your income and you're still not watching your spending? Like mm. that's really important. We need to get clear on what's coming in, what's going out.
0: There you go. Yeah, you you just nailed exactly what I was thinking as you were as you were talking through this. And I, I think you brought up a good point, right? It's like, okay, let's let's reel into something more reasonable or attainable right now, forty thousand dollars a year, or, or boosting that income, and then let's break it down to like because man, it's overwhelming, right? It's like, well, how do I, and I can't, and I'm just, so I'm just not, you know, I'm just not going to do anything instead of, I think like what you're saying, it's like, let's rebuild your resume, you know, or, 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 you know, little, little steps that, that are going to get someone there. I think though, what, what you just touched on that really, um, struck me as you said it, it's a lot of the times, Again, back to like when I'm talking to someone about their their diet or something like that, like we don't know, we have no clue how much we're spending, you know, we, we, because we're not looking at it. And so I think you just, you just brought up a really important point. It's like, okay, let's get clear on that stuff first, because man, I mean, the truth is most people are spending way more on, on just random crap. I know I was, uh, especially early on in sobriety. Yeah, uh, on so, random, Way more on random crap than I thought I was.
1: Totally. Yeah. So what we need and what we do is we write. So again, mm. let's open up. And by write, you can type whatever, whatever. Yeah. Bought, man. If you, I mean, if you I, I have these yellow legal pads and I have hundreds of them and I've stacks of them filled out with, with the writing that I did when I had a broken relationship last year. When mm. I um, some of the crises that I've been through in my life. I just write, write, write. So for financial stuff, we need to write. Open up an Excel spreadsheet. If you don't know how to use one, learn how to use one. Maybe that'll help you get a better job and make more money. It's really simple. It's set up for simple, right? It's set up for simple, yeah. like so we can do that. Open it up, say every dollar in, every dollar out, right? And say, all right, well, if I make $1,000 a week or if I make, let's get real, hundred five. Let's. Say I make $500 a week, but I'm spending seven hundred. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. So yeah. what are we spending money on? Every dollar in, every dollar out, right? So you start with your nut. There's five hundred, and then all right, I have to pay rent. I have to pay bills. I have, or and look at your bills. Are these necessary? Do I need to have five hundred channels on Comcast? I don't know. Right? Or do you even need it? Netflix is twelve dollars. Just watch on Netflix. You know, there's like things that you can do to make changes to small things that you could do to end up making significant changes in your life.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, I want to move on here if we can, Dennis. I want to ask you about your book and it's titled Funky Brain a oh, Practical Wisdom. Funky Wisdom.
1: Yeah, my my podcast is the Funky Brain Podcast and my funky and my book is Funky Wisdom.
0: Funky Wisdom. Okay, so it's Funky Wisdom a practical guide to life, right? No. Okay. So who do you write it for? And what's it about?
1: So originally, you know, I really didn't mean to write it. It, it kind of I, I, I was going on long walks with my dog and uh, listening to motivational, inspirational stuff. And I started typing down thoughts that came into my head, or I would, I would take my phone and open up a notepad and hit the, the microphone thing. And I would just start saying these thoughts that came to my mind when I was inspired. And all of a sudden, I had like 50 pages of shit. And so i started organizing it and i learned to, how to organize your thoughts and write a book and stuff like that and then i started adding to it and then i showed my my fiance at the time i i was like look at that she read it and she's like this is really good i was like really i'm like i'm i'm not a writer you know and so i and she read she read like two books a week so you know i when i started putting it together to answer your question It it was because of my background, it was my addiction recovery background, I wanted to hit. When I grew up in the world of recovery over the last 18 years, it was originally in the 12 step program. And what I found was that program was kind of difficult to read. Like it wasn't like, all right, come in, sit down. Here's step one. Let's figure it out. And then when you're done with that, let's do step two. It was more like you have to read this book. You have to have somebody explain it to you how to get through all these steps. And then you jump ahead a little here and jump back a little there. And it was confusing. So what I did was I took some of the principles of that program, combined it with what I've learned over the years, and I made it a simple program that anybody can follow for any problem. It doesn't have to be addiction. It can be anything that you're going through in life. And so I created these six steps. It was like, first, there has to be awareness. You have to admit there's some sort of problem because you can't solve a problem you can't admit exists. And then there has to be, you have to calm down. So that we go right into meditation. In the 12-step program, meditation and prayer is the 11th step. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge mistake. It's like, oh, I don't have to meditate until I get to the 11th step. Mm-hmm. So, I changed that. And then we, you know, we work, I I won't get into it all, but we work through uh, basically how to live as a mature adult, you know, face your, clean up your past, move forward, help other people and uh, be a responsible adult. And uh, in it, I also took um, the how approach. So the how approach is People say all the time, how do I become successful? How do I become sober? How do I lose weight? How do I write a book? How do I, yeah. start this? and how stands for honesty, open-mindedness and willingness. So when I become honest and say, Hey, things aren't going well, then I become open to a new way of living. And then I become willing to apply that new way into my life.
0: Hmm, man, I like that. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, you know, cause I I'm in a 12 step program. That's how I got so I still participate in that regularly. And uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting point. You know, the, the, in the steps, the meditation is kind of at the end, but I was pretty much told from the beginning, you know, Hey, you need to, you need to be meditating. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that makes, uh, that makes good sense. That's, that's probably a pretty smart, uh, pretty smart approach in the book there. Now uh, you also func- uh, host the funky brain podcast. So Tell us about that, about what you and your guests are talking about on the show.
1: Sure. And originally, that started just as addiction recovery. And we'll have you on, too, if you want to be. Yeah, absolutely, man. I,
0: I was, I was going to force my way on, but thank you for the invite.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to have a great, another great talk. This is a great talk, too. Um, but uh, originally, it started just with addiction recovery. And um, I used to do a lot of public speaking. If you can't tell, I talk a lot and when the world shut down last year we really just sunk everything into like my team was like let's just do podcasts let's do straight up podcasts so it's i did a lot of addiction recovery and then i started talking to different types of athletes and people out like entertainers and uh, rock star and like all these people so i was like yeah well, I started going in different directions
0: mm-hmm. so
1: um uh, you know, it, it really covers a lot of different areas from trauma and uh, depression, and of course, addiction and alcoholism. And, but it's still I would say that the central theme is really uh, addiction and alcoholism, you'll find, if people tune into it, you'll find that, you know, 80% of the episodes, and I don't even know how many there are like 100, or over 100. But I would say most of them are in that realm. And so a funky brain comes from years ago, in case anybody wants to know in recovery, I would just like talk all the time in, in the meetings and I, with no clear direction, cause I, I didn't know really what was going on. I was just trying to learn how to grow up in my thirties and, um, people would say, oh, Dennis has funky brain again. So that's where that came from. I was going to call my book funky brain, but I like funky wisdom because it implies growth. And, but I called the podcast, the funky brain podcast. And, um, so I'm the funky guy, man. That's, that's how I roll. I like that. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I like that. Now, I think you've shared a lot of great uh, tips and advice. And uh, like I said, I think this valuable information that our listeners can really take advantage of and apply in their own lives. But before we wrap up, I want to ask if there's maybe one particular piece of advice that you'd like to share with the Sober Nation, uh, whether it's for someone that's you know, trying to get sober, you know, really having a tough time right now, Maybe they've been sober for a while and they're really struggling with, you know, mastering these different areas of their life. Uh, maybe if there's any, you know, just one particular piece of advice that you'd like to share with them.
1: Sure. It, it's really easy. Ask for help. That's the main thing I want to say is ask for help. We get so wrapped up in our problems and we try to solve them and they become harder and harder to solve on our own. You know, so awareness is always the first step and then action. And there are some steps in between. But the the last part there is accountability, right? I need to have a coach, a mentor. AA is awesome because of the fellowship, the sponsorship, all those things. Like, if you don't call me, call somebody, call you. Call somebody and ask for help. Somebody who's not emotionally attached to your shit and ask for help. We were taught, oh, don't ask for help. Just run through it. You know, you could do this or... You know, uh, people have this conception that if they ask for help, it's a sign of weakness, but it's not, it's a paradox. It's actually a a sign of strength, asking Mm -hmm. for help. I was taught to have an expert in every area of my life. So if I get sick, I need to go to the doctor. If I have to go to court, I need a lawyer. I hate doing taxes. So I need an accountant because otherwise I would just punch people. So I get an accountant every year to do my taxes. And if I'm having a problem getting sober, I need somebody to help me get sober because I don't have those answers. Otherwise I would have by now. So I would say, ask for help, reach out to me, reach out to Jonathan, reach out to somebody, go to a meeting and talk, right? Nothing changes. If nothing changes, if I wake up every day and start crying, but I don't do anything different than I did yesterday to get me to that point, then nothing's going to change today either. Don't you don't have to do this on your own, and we're here to help. I want people to know that.
0: Mm, absolutely, yeah, and, and that's a great point, man. I love what you said. Having an expert in every area of my life—I've never really—I've never heard it put that way, and I think that's super, super solid advice. But like you said, asking for help uh, is really the first step there. That's that's awesome, awesome advice. So you can find Dennis's book, Funky Wisdom, on Amazon. And you can learn more about his life mastery coaching at DennisBerry.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, Dennis.
1: Thanks, Jonathan. Great talk, man. I appreciate it. You're doing great work.
0: Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit SobrietyEngine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.